Greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, my name is Andrew Asari and uh, the General Overseer of Omega Churches. You're welcome. I welcome you to this um, uh, day's discussion, Bible discussion and fellowship and, and um, online service with you. I believe that uh, the Lord has been with you and has been merciful and gracious to you as he has been to me. Uh, so we expect um, another time of uh, great fellowship with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit, and with one another. I believe that God has some things in store, as always, from His Word and from His Spirit. In the name of the Lord Jesus. So let's share a word of prayer. Father, we want to thank you this moment. We thank you for your endless mercies and grace. We thank you for your kindness, and we thank you for your goodness, and all the things that you lavish and bestowed upon us daily. You daily loads us with benefits. And Lord, we are thankful for all those benefits. Lord, in the name of Jesus, right now, we declare your word to flow into our lives, your word to, to come alive by the quickening power of the Spirit, your word to be opened up to us by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit enlighten our spiritual lives and our spiritual understanding, and let it be the flow of that Spirit into our hearts, communicating and pressing the word of God deep down into our spirit to produce a hundredfold increase and more. Father, we thank you that we have authority in the name of your holy child, Jesus, to expel every work of darkness and to neutralize and to reverse and return and subdue and break down all strategies and schemes and devices of the enemy against your people, against your church, against the ministry of your spirit and the ministry of your word. So we thank you that all those things are done now and the heavens are open and all lines of communications are cleared in the name of Jesus, and we give you glory and praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We've been having some discussions about Jesus and um, his present-day ministry, and uh, we ended up last week talking about his advocacy, that Jesus is our advocate. Now, Jesus is our advocate primarily, primarily uh, when we say that we mean that when we step into sin or we step into error uh, he as our lawyer he speaks on our behalf when we approach the throne of heaven and we come in in absolute repentance and also he is the one who secures our interests on, on biblical grounds and on legal grounds by the price that he has paid by his blood shed his blood for us and uh, he reveals to us all the things that belongs to us as our inheritance also um, we find out that when the enemy comes to accuse us, Satan is the accuser of the brethren. When he accuses us, then we know that Jesus, who is our advocate, he steps in and he uh, he uh, speaks to the Father on our behalf. And uh, and all the price, the price that he has paid, he's paid the price for every all of our shortcomings, all our sins, all our failures. He's paid the price for that. So he declares that to the Father. And then we, we come to the place where we are acquitted and discharged of any uh, accusation that comes from anyone, whether the enemy or wh whatever court is. Whether they are true accusations or not, Jesus has paid the price for us. Today we want to uh, go further. There's a place in the Word of God where God wants us to actually, um, God wants us to actually come before Him ourselves, in, of course, in the name of His holy child Jesus, but God has given us the, the, the invitation to approach his throne and to be able to argue our case, to plead our case. So today I want us to discuss the subject, 
pleading your case before the Lord and what the Bible has to say about that. It's very important that we understand that subject or that aspect of prayer. Uh, prayer has many levels and dimensions. And one of the uh, areas of prayer uh, or aspect of prayer is to plead our case before the Lord. We need to know what it means to bring our petitions and supplications before the Lord by pleading our case. That simply means that we come and we detail our arguments and put before God the reasons for which we, we, uh, we, we would expect him to hear our prayer and to answer our prayer. The scriptures have a lot to say about that. So let's first of all look at um, the Old Testament book of Isaiah chapter 41 and reading from verse 21. It says, Produce your cause, save the Lord. Bring forth your strong reasons, save the king of Jacob. God is inviting us to present our cause or produce our cause or present our case or plead our case and bring forth our strong reasons. In, in chapter 43 of the same uh, book of Isaiah, and we will read from verse 25 and 26. It says in verse 25, it says, I even I, I am the Lord that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake, and will not remember thy sins. Verse 26 says, Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. So God uh, wants us to come to a place in him where we can come before him, plead our case, or put forth our arguments. It's awesome to, uh, it's, it's almost uh, uh, difficult to comprehend the, the, the fact that the awesome God, the, the mighty God, the holy God and the, and the most excellent one, the God of heaven and the God who owns all things or, or, or that we need to always revere and acknowledge his excellency and his beauty, perfection and holiness and, and greatness that we will come before him and begin to argue with him. But that's just the way the merciful God is. He says that we should come and plead our case because he's a merciful God. We should uh, put him to remembrance and declare uh, our cause and our reasons for which he will come through for us and he will justify us. And in chapter 1 of the same book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 1, he talks about we coming and uh, uh, together and before his presence to reason with him. So God is, is a wonderful God. This, these are um, very um, wonderful, awesome aspects of a great God or a mighty God who wants us to come freely and uh, to present our needs when we have cases or situations that um, are, uh, are testing and trying and so um, difficult to come through. Those are the times that we need to come before the Lord and plead our case and, and argue with him on the, on the grounds of his holy word so that he will hear us and uh, come through for us. This aspect of prayer deals with areas where there are there's, there's so much pressure, there's so much difficulty. There's, uh, it's, it's like sometimes the Christian or the believer comes to a point in his, in his life or, or in her life where he will seek the Lord in prayer and seek God for answers. And uh, it takes so long, it becomes so difficult, the pressure mounts up and it's like there's no headway, it's not making any headway or breaking through. Uh, when it comes to that point of our, our, of our lives, that is, that, that is uh, for us to know, uh, take note 
that it will, it will be important as led by the Spirit of God to come to the place where we can plead our case before the Lord. Now we put um, God to remembrance. God says in his word that we put him in remembrance, not because he's a God who forgets his word or forgets his promises, but he's the kind of God who wants to rather make sure that we as children of God have not for, forgotten about his promises and we still remember his word, we remember his precepts, his principles, and his, his directives as he's laid them down in the Bible. So when we come before the Lord and we put him in remembrance, it's a, it's a way of showing God that we know what his word says, that we adhere to his word, we adhere to his instructions, we adhere to his teachings, and we hide them in the midst of our hearts, and we do not forget his word. God wants us to be the ones that will plead our, plead our case on the grounds of what his word says. Now, the real real effective and effectual prayer is actually taking what God has said to us, his promises back to him, it, to, to remind God what he said and to tell him or to quote back to him, repeat back to him what he has already told us. Scripture says in John 15, 7, that if we abide in Christ and Christ's word abide in us, Jesus says, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, then you ask what you will and it shall be done. So coming before the Lord and pleading our case actually shows God that we love him, we love his word, and we've hidden his word in our hearts. And at any given time, we can draw on the riches and the wealth and the graces of his word. It also builds an intimacy, uh, pleading our case before the Lord and coming before the mighty God, the holy God, the great one of Israel, and the God of the heavens and the earth and of all things, the God who owns all things, Lord over all things, and coming before him and arguing our case, and pleading our case, also shows how much we, we can be intimate with the most holy and righteous and great God. The great God wants us to uh, develop that relationship uh, of coming before him at his invitation when the Bible says we should, now we can come boldly before the throne of grace that we will obtain mercy. He wants to show us how intimate and how freely we can come before him as children and plead our case. So it, it, uh, it, it, this kind of uh, aspect of prayer deals in intimacy with God and builds a strong relationship with God. Pleading our case or coming before him and recognizing him as the God of, uh, of, of all things and the God of all flesh, the Father of all spirit, the owner of all things, also shows how much we can, uh, 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 as children of God, recognize him as the judge of all things. We recognize him as the supreme judge, his judge and Lord over all things maker of all things, owner of all things, yet he judges all things, and that he's a true judge. He's a, he's a God of justice. He's a God of uh, who, who meets out justice. He's not, he's not impartial. He's, not, he's no respecter of persons, but he's a true, righteous, faithful, and, and just God. So we recognize him as the God who is the judge of all things, the supreme judge. His, his court in heaven is above any other court. His law is above any other law. His word is lifted above all his titles and above all things, and his word is forever settled in the heavens. So, um, pleading our case before God again shows us a way of his, it, it's also a, a process by which our faith will, is stirred up 
when we come before the Lord and we begin to argue our case and we talk to him and we also hear from him, he talks back to us from his word and by his spirit. It, it's a process of stirring up our faith, quickening up our faith to expect something from God, that our relationship with him as, as, uh, as children and he being our father and uh, he being our God, he being our judge of all things, we, we come before him expecting that he will move on our behalf. So it, this process also stirs our faith, builds our faith, and encourages our faith and our relationship with God. Hallelujah. Praise God Almighty. We have grounds, biblical grounds. The Word of God shows us um, ways by which we can come before the Lord and plead our case. And all of those things must be on on the on the, on, on the grounds of God's word. We cannot come before the Lord and God most high and plead our case and ask him to do things for us, come through for us, break through the heart and difficult areas in our lives without knowing what the word of God says and without having any grounds or any reason for which we have to uh, come before him and plead our case. He's a judge. And judges expect that we uh, our case will be will be um, addressed with with regards to the written word with the with the law. So when we come before God, who is a judge, He expects us to know the word of the law and come and argue our case um, in line with the with the law with what His word is telling us. Now, so we there's ways that the Scripture teaches that we can come before the Lord and please our case. First of all, we can come before the Lord and plead our case on the grounds of God's own character. God, uh, God that simply means we, we, we come before the Lord on the grounds of his attributes, that he, God's character is righteousness. God is a righteous judge. God is a merciful judge. God, God's attributes are righteousness, just, mercy, he's compassionate, he's true, He's righteous, he's faithful, and uh, he, he, he always brings us justice to us. So on the grounds of God's character, we can come and plead our case. If we have any uh, recourse or any issues or any problems where we need God to address those issues in our lives, we, should, we can come on the grounds of the fact that he's a righteous God, a just God, and a compassionate and a merciful God. And when we plead our case on that grounds of his character, his character is in question. So he has to hear us and make sure that he, he brings justice to us. Now the scripture reveals this clearly in Genesis chapter 18. In Gen Genesis chapter 18, we see uh, Abraham uh, pleading his case on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah. God wanted to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah uh, and bring judgment and punishment upon them for the sins that they have committed. Uh, the sins of, we all know about Sodom and Gomorrah, the sin, um, the sin of men, um, man sleeping with man and woman sleeping with woman and all kinds of abominations and some the kind of sins that were committed in Sodom and Gomorrah in modern day generation. Uh, we are told that those kinds of sins are okay and they are justified. The scripture has already said that the, the, the days will come where people will call evil good and good evil. 
But those were the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah. It's been legitimized in our generation. But we as children of God know the Bible. We stand on the word of God and we live by the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We don't believe in what the world says. We don't believe in, uh, regarding, you, you know, uh, man marrying man, woman marrying man. It, that's not uh, uh, biblical. That's not what God's word teaches. So people with all their intellectual uh, strengths and arguments and, and laws for us as believers and Christians, that's foolishness. We throw it out of the window. We walk in the light of the word of God. We walk in the wisdom of God. We walk in the counsel of God. And the Bible says that Sodom and Gomorrah was engaged in some of those things and God want, wanted to bring punishments and destruction upon them. But um, Abraham and, and his nephew and Lot and all those people, they, they lived in, in that neighborhood and in that community. And so Abraham decided to take it upon himself to intercede on the behalf of the city of Sodom. And um, he, he, he tapped in into God as the righteous judge. And he began to argue and said, God, you know, you are the kind of God who is righteous. And uh, you do not, according to your character, you do not destroy uh, the righteous together with the wicked. There may be 50 people um, in, in, the, in, the, in the city. Will you destroy the righteous together with the wicked? That's God's character. He doesn't do that. He doesn't lump the righteous and the wicked together and punish them all together. So that we can see that Abraham tapped into the, the character of God, into the righteousness of God, God as the true judge. So we see him in Genesis chapter 18 and reading from verse 25. The Bible says, um, reading from verse three, uh, 23, let's start reading from verse 23. Well, so Abraham drew near and said, Will thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure, there be fifty righteous within the city. Will thou also destroy and not spare the place for the fifty righteous that are in? That be far from thee to do after this matter, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee, shall not the judge of all the earth do right. So we see in verse 25 that Abraham was arguing the fact that he's a God is a righteous God and is the judge of all the earth and the judge of all the earth will, will have to do what is right. That is to say God cannot destroy the righteous with the wicked. So we can come before God and the grounds of his righteousness, his perfection, his excellency and his, his, his just, his, the fact that he's just and true and faithful and tap on that ground and argue our case. So in this case, we see uh, Abraham talking to God and God says he will not do that. And Abraham says, maybe the, how about 45? God says he will not destroy 45 if there were 45 righteous people. And Abraham argued his case. So when he was, he talked to God about how about if there were 10 and righteous people in the city? God says that even without right 10 people, I will not destroy the city, you know. And Abraham gave up at 10. And the fact of the matter is, if there were 10 righteous people in, in Sodom, or less than 10 people, God will make sure that those righteous people, few, 10 or less, will still, he will either take them out of the city, or perhaps even spare the city. But he's going to make sure, as a righteous God, that he will not even destroy the righteous with the wicked. So we come before God, 
and we can argue our case that uh, when when uh, touching his character of righteousness and asking him to do justice on our behalf when when we need him to come through and to break through for us praise the lord and this uh, jesus spoke about the parable of, of the widow uh, who in luke chapter 18 and it's one of my favorite parables that i refer to all the time because that reveals god as a righteous um, uh, judge as well now this parable was spoken by jesus when jesus was talking about the fact that jesus was talking about the fact that there was this wicked judge in in the, in the city he has no regard for man or god has no he doesn't respect god doesn't give reverence to god or man some people are like that they are so hard-hearted and so callous they have give no respect to god or reverence to god and they have no regard for man this judge was that kind of a person some people think that uh, they make themselves think gods. They think that the, they own the world or, or everything should revolve around them. This judge was a wicked person, doesn't, you know, by the widow, the parable of the widow, Jesus thought that there was this woman who needed uh, um, to be justified, that the judge should hear her and, 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 and bring justice to her. Uh, but what happened, the woman, made sure that she was always going to the judge and bothering the judge and putting pressure on the judge and even the wicked judge gave gave in and gave in to the fact that if she doesn't give justice to this woman she's not going to have a peace and jesus argued and says that even this wicked judge listened to the woman how much the unjust wicked judge listened to the woman luke chapter 18 verse 6 he says and the lord said hear what the unjust judge saith, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily, nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith in the earth. So, so tapping into the grace of God and tapping in, into uh, God's character and God's righteousness by pleading our case is a, it's a, it's a question of perseverance and persistence. Sometimes court matters don't just end up in one day or in a few hours. Sometimes court matters can, can, uh, can drag on and on, sometimes weeks and sometimes months, sometimes years. And court matters can, but it's a matter of perseverance, consistency. So when we come before God pleading our case, we don't have to expect that everything will happen instantly. I always say that some miracles happen instantly. Almost miracles happen instantly, but not all miracles happen instantly. Sometimes you must stick to the, the promise of God and persevere and be persistent and believe and work the word of God in your heart. Believe it, proclaim it, declare it. Sometimes pray longer, sometimes even fast, sometimes search your heart, but you are before God persistently because he's a righteous God who will avenge you speedily in his own time, in his own style, in his own method, and he will he will do it in everything beautiful in his own time. So we don't have to give up when it comes to pleading our case. We need to persevere like this widow woman and persist and uh, go before God day and night as much as we can, and God will avenge us. And it's a question of faith and in God, trusting that he's faithful, he's just and true, merciful and he will come through for us praise the lord hallelujah so that's the first thing we need to know we can come before the lord on the grounds we have grounds 
to plead our case. And this, the first one that we're looking at in Genesis is on the fact that he's a righteous judge, he's a righteous God, and Abraham tapped into that. And Jesus was teaching the parable of the of the uh, of the wicked judge um, to us, teaching us that we, if the wicked judge even caved in and gave gave in to the woman and gave her justice, how much more the righteous and the holy one of God, he will avenge us and avenge us speedily. He will avenge us speedily. That means at God's own uh, at God's own speed limit. Men, we normally people have their own speed limit. Uh, the, the speed and the acceleration to which God must move on our behalf. But God's speed, that's what the Bible calls God's speed. That when we go in God's timing and in God's own acceleration, and it's in, in, in God's own way, He perfects things on our behalf. Praise the Lord. Now, we also can come before the Lord and argue our case before Him, plead our case before Him on the grounds of His own uh, glory and the the sake of his own fame now the bible says that we should share the fame of the lord we should declare the fame of the lord in all the earth and we should declare his glory now we see in the book of um, psalms that the lord um, david says that in the book of psalms and and, and chapter 23 of the book of psalms chapter 23 of the book of psalms Look at verse 3. It says that he restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. God leads us in the paths of righteousness. He restores us when we need to be restored. He restores our soul. When our souls are broken and our hearts are broken and cast down and weary and tired, God is the one who restores us. God is a restorer. God, anything that you lose, anything that you lose in your spirit, in your soul, in your mind, in your life, any circ any circumstance of life that you go through that seems to take away from you, that seems to uh, bring the, all the negatives around you, God has a way to, uh, that he restores. And when he restores, he restores in many folds. He's a restorer. He says he will give us the former rain and the latter rain together in the first month. It says he will restore, God says he will restore what the palmer worm, the canker worm, the caterpillar and the locusts have chewed and have eaten. God will restore all of that. God restores our spiritual life, our, uh, our spiritual strength. Our, when, when we are weary and tired and everything is gone out of us, uh, he restores a restorer of our soul. Anything that is stolen in our lives, whether it's spiritual, physical, material, financial or, 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 or otherwise, whether even even if it's 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 our name that have, uh, has been dragged into them into the mud and and uh, you know people try to bring you down accuse you God has ways to restore us and what does He do He restores our souls and leads us in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake because when anything affects you the child of God it affects God and God will for His name because of His name. He will restore you and because of his name he will set you on the right path because of his name he will guide you in all the paths of righteousness amen so we come come before the lord in a time of need in the time of adversity and problems and pressure and difficulty to plead our case and say god we we, we you have to come through for us for your name's sake for your own glory for the sake of your own name you have to come through so that your your name will not be blamed your name will not be blasphemed by the heathen and the unbelievers who see 
uh, your children go through situations and circumstances and and, they, and nothing seems to happen for them. So you have to come through. Now, in the case um, of Moses pleading on the behalf of the people of Israel in Exodus chapter Exodus chapter 32, reading from verse 11. You have a look at Exodus 32. Hallelujah. Praise God. Exodus chapter 32 and read verse 11 to 14. Moses had gone to the mountains to receive, um, to receive the law. He's gone to the mountains to receive the law. And by the time he came back, the people were serving idols. Aaron, his brother, and all the people were, um, have become ungodly and heathen, and they were uh, serving idols, and they were involved in all kinds of sin and iniquity and transgression. And the scripture uh, reveals that God was so angry, he wanted to destroy the people. He wanted to destroy the whole of the whole of, of, of the tribe of, 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 of Israel, the people that God by his mighty hand and his miraculous hand brought out of Egypt. Now they angered God and they they profaned the name of God to the point that God wanted to destroy all the people. And the Moses came before the Lord and began to intercede. In Acts in this Exodus chapter 32 and reading from verse number 11, the Bible says, And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doeth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which has, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with, a, with thy great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from thy fierce anger, from thy fierce wrath, and repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thy own self, and sayest unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the land that is, uh, and, uh, and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. So here Moses came, he ple he was pleading his case and on the behalf of the people of Israel. And he says to God, God, you know what? If you destroy these people, the heathen, the Egyptians, and all the people who say that, yeah, this is mischief. You, you brought them out just to punish them in the, in the, in the wilderness and to destroy them. And this is what people are going to say. But remember, God, you cannot do that because it, this is what the, uh, the heathen will say. And also, you must remember the covenant that you gave to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And change your mind and don't do this. And the Bible says that God himself decided that he wasn't going to do this. He changed his mind. Praise God. So we have cause and reason to come on the grounds of God's fame, God's own glory, God's own name for his name's sake, to say that God, let do, do not do not let your name be dragged in, in the mud. Do not allow your name to, to, to be blasphemed. Do not allow the heathen to say that 
you are not even able to take care of your own people, your own covenant people, your own righteous people, your, the people who serve you, the people who love you, the people who pray to you and call upon you. God, you are not even faithful. You are not even the kind of God that is, takes care of his own. Don't let anybody say that. So Lord, come through and save. Lord, come through and deliver. Amen. So we can, we can, we can come to God and say that, God, for the sake of your own name, the sake of your own praise, the sake of your own glory, uh, come through, work a miracle, do something that will exalt your name. Amen. Now, let's go further and do something more about this. Um, in the third thing that we see is found in uh, Isaiah chapter 38 in the life of King Hezekiah. And uh, he also came before the Lord and he was pleading his case. And so let's turn to the book of Isaiah again. Come and now all the way to the book of Isaiah, chapter 38, chapter 38 of the book of Isaiah. And we will read the first um, eight verses. It says in, t in verse 1, chapter 38 of the book of Isaiah, it says, In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death, and Isaiah the prophet, son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, set thy house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. And the scripture says in verse 2, Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord and said, and said Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee, how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart, and have done all that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Hezekiah came before the Lord pleading his case on the grounds of his, the integrity of his own heart. The fact that he, he Hezekiah, is a good guy, is a good man. He's walked before God with a perfect heart and has done what is right in the, in the sight of God. And now God, after doing all that is right and all that is good, you said, I'm going to die. So he pled his case, he was pleading his case on the ground of his own integrity and his own right, uh, and his own perfect heart and an excellent heart and the zeal with which he walked before the Lord. And then verse 4 says, Then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah, saying, Go and say to Hezekiah, That saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will add unto thy days fifteen years. Verse 6 says, And I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. And this shall be a sign unto thee from the Lord, that the Lord will do this thing that he hath spoken. Behold, I will bring again the shadow of the degrees, which is gone down in the sundial of, of Ahaz, ten degrees backward. So the sun returned ten degrees, by which degrees it was gone down. So this is awesome. I see how God uh, had the prayer of Hezekiah when Hezekiah approached God and declared to God, God, I remind you, I'm the kind of person who have walked before you uh, with the integrity of my heart, with a perfect heart, and I've done that which is good in thy sight. God wants us to walk before him with a sincere heart, with a perfect heart, and do that which is good in, in his sight. You know, we, we may not be perfect as in the word 100 perfect, 100% uh, perfection, 
but God knows, sees, he looks into the heart. He looks at the sincerity of your heart and the purity of your conscience. So you must be that kind of a person. Our salvation, the Bible says that all our righteousness, our personal human righteousness and personal uh, human works uh, cannot save us, cannot bring unto us salvation. But God still looks at the heart and looks at the sincerity and the purity of our hearts. So in this case, scripture says in Ephesians 2, chapter 8, 9, and 10, that we are saved by grace through faith. And that salvation is not of ourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works. But the scripture says that having been saved, we have been created unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Salvation is by faith and is by grace and by the mercy of God. But after we are saved, God has ordained that we should operate in good works. So God expects that a new creation, the child of God, the born again believer, will walk in good, good deeds and he will do good deeds and walk in good works. God doesn't want his people to walk in wickedness. He wants us to walk in the purity and integrity of our conscience and the integrity of our hearts. That was Hezekiah. Now God, you know, the gospel makes changes lives and makes even evil people and wicked people and bad guys become good people. In Galatians chapter 5, one of the fruits of the Spirit is goodness. You know, when, when you are bearing the fruit of the Spirit, you become just a good person. The gospel makes good people. So let, let's be careful the way we point our figures, fingers against Christians and against church people. Because church people go to church, they hear the word of God, they are changed, they are transformed. The church makes good people. I mean, I'm talking about true churches, who uh, true churches where the true word of God is preached. When the true word of God is preached and the gospel is preached in all those true churches and true believers receive the word of God, they are changed, they are transformed into good people. So the church and the gospel and the word of God make good people. What the world needs today is good people. We don't need more, more wicked people and more hard-hearted and callous people. Now Hezekiah approached God with the fact that, God, you know it. God, you know all things. I'm a good guy. I'm not a bad guy. The world needs more good guys like me around. And before Isaiah the prophet left the corridors of the king, the word of the Lord came to Isaiah and said, go tell him, you are not going to die, and you, I'm going to add 15 more years to your years. And not only that, God said that he was going to deliver the, the king and his people from the Assyrians. And so he, he will overcome the Assyrians. And not only that, the third thing that God said is that I'm even going to reverse the sun dial. That means that I'm going to reverse the time god doesn't that doesn't happen you know there are only two times in all of history where where time was reversed it was when uh, joshua was fighting um, uh, the wars of god he he spoke to the sun and the moon to stand still and and for about a whole day the sun and the moon uh, stood still and that time was reversed this other time is on the integrity of the heart and the, the perfect heart that Hezekiah walked before the Lord. And because of that, God reversed time. God is able to restore, restore time and time that is lost. Time and that uh, things that were supposed to take place and never took place and you lost time. God is able to do that. The power of, 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 of pleading your case and depending on the, the good works that you do for the Lord is so is, is, is that awesome. And, and God wants us to understand that, and God wants us to tap into that. Is there anything in your life that you do? Are you of any use for, for God? You can, you can come on that ground. That's a God, remember I'm the usher in the church. God, remember I'm the prayer warrior. 
God, you know I'm a soul winner. You know I do this and that and that and that. It's okay to come before God to plead your case in that reason. God, I'm some, I am of some use for you. You know, here on earth, whilst I'm here, I'm the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And I'm making some contribution to the, towards human life, towards human salvation, towards the salvation of humanity, towards the healing and the deliverance of humanity. So God, I plead my case. I need you to come through for me, to restore me, to heal me, to deliver me, to provide uh, for my needs, to supply for my needs. I need a miracle and a breakthrough. Make a way where there is no way. And God is able to come through. Hallelujah. Praise God Almighty. And God does that for us all the time. You know what is amazing in Acts chapter 9, verse 36 to 41, Dorcas was a good woman. The Bible says, Dorcas, this Dorcas was such an awesome, wonderful person. Let's look at it and uh, we'll bring this teaching to a close and we'll continue in our, in our next service. But let's uh, end with Acts chapter 9 quickly. If you can turn your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 9, we'll look at a woman called Tabitha, Tabitha Dorcas. Uh, Dorcas was a good person, the scripture says. This is not salvation by good works. That's not what I'm teaching. I'm teaching about after being saved, you must bear the fruits of goodness. And goodness counts. And God, your character, um, God rewards your character. Amen. You look at Acts chapter 9, reading from verse 36. The scripture says, now there was a Jopar, a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. So that's the same person, Tabitha Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. It says that Tabitha uh, or Dorcas was a good person and uh, gave alms. Gave alms, that means helping the poor. Alms given is uh, helping the poor. He helped the poor. And he, had, he was full of good works. And the Bible says it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom they had washed and laid her up in the upper chamber. And for as much as Lydda was nigh to Joppa, the disciples had heard that Peter was there, and they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay but to come. Then Peter arose and went with them. And when he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the and all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and the garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. Now Dorcas was a good woman helping the poor, doing uh, acts of charity and acts of mercy. And uh, by the time Peter came, she was dead and put up in the upper chamber, laid, that is to lady in state. And uh, the people, all the women were weeping, the widows were weeping. But then they began to show all the good things, the, the clothing and the garments and every all the good things that um, Dorcas was doing. Now, is there anything that anybody, that you can show God, any good things, any service uh, that you are of God, you are to God? Are, are you offering any service in the house of God or in your community or in your nation or in your country or in your company? Whatever. Are you of any good use to God? You can argue your case on that ground. The people showed forth the good deeds of Dorcas. Guess what happened in verse 40? The Bible says, But Peter pulled them all forth and, and kneeled down and prayed, turning him 
and turning him to the body said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand, and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and the widows, presented her alive. Hallelujah. The Bible says, and it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa, in the house, uh, Joppa, with one Simon Etana. Now, this was the first time that any of the apostles in the New Testament was recorded that an apostle raised the dead. Uh, later on, there were other raising the dead miracles like Paul and the rest of them. But this is the first recorded miracle of raising the dead by an, an apostle in the New Testament uh, uh, narratives. And it's because this woman was a good person and the poor people needed her and those that needed clothing uh, to wear clothing because he was make, making garments for them. All those people needed, he, she, Dorcas was of some use to God on the earth. Therefore, the, the people were pleading on, 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 the, on, the, on, on the grounds of her good works and God brought her back to life. Your good works are seeds that you sow. When you sow those good seeds, uh, God will water those seeds and he will bring an increase in, 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 in fruit. Uh, when you give, it shall be given back to you, good measure and pressed down, shaking together and running over. In this case with Dorcas, it ran over that even in her death, she had to be raised from the dead because of her good deeds. So she can continue her good deeds, so that she can continue to help people and serve the Lord. May you be that kind of a person who bear good fruit, 60-fold and 100-fold increase and more. May your life shine before men and, and show forth the good works that the Lord, that they will give glory unto the Lord God. May your community recognize you as a good person, one that is helpful, one that is supportive, one that is encouraging. May your church be proud of you because you serve the Lord with all of your heart and you are doing good de deeds. You are not a divider of church of churches or splitting and dividing people and batting heads together, but you're a kind person a merciful person, a compassionate person, uh, one that everybody will want to, you to be around so that they can have some inspiration and, and encouragement. You can plead your case on that ground. May the Lord bless you today as you hear this word and may you now raise your hands. Let's just praise God and glorify him and ask him to show us mercy even as we serve him with a, with a pure conscience and with a good heart. May we, may we seek his glory. As we seek his glory always, he will restore our souls for his name's sake. May we be the ones who will approach him knowing that he's a righteous God and a just God. He will not fail us. And when we plead our case with a sincere heart through faith, he will come through for us because he's a good God. Let's praise God. Hallelujah. Father, we want to thank you. We bless you. We honor you. Oh Lord, for your word, we thank you for your grace and your mercies. In the name of Jesus, as we continue in this study, we ask you, Lord, to come through for us in many areas of our lives where we face tests and tests and challenges and, 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 and cementable problems that we don't seem to come through. Father, we pray in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, touch every life, encourage every life, stir the faith of your people. Let your the, your, the faith of your people be enriched and be empowered in, in a special way now and always. We thank you for it. Jesus mighty and precious name. Father, I pray for all those that are, are going through tests and trials 
and let them be stirred up. Let their faith be empowered. And I pray for their needs. I pray that you come through for them. I pray for their financial needs. I pray for their peace. I pray for your grace upon them. In Jesus' name, I declare that the Spirit of God will fill them to the overflowing. Let the angels of God fight on their behalf. Let them be strengthened and stirred up in the, in the integrity of your word. And let them walk in the integrity of their hearts. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty and precious name. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless your seed so may the Lord bless your tithes and your offerings and everything that you do for the Lord. May the Lord increase you from all on all sides. In the name of Jesus, expect many miracles, even now and always. In Jesus' name. I'd like to uh, end with an opportunity uh, to uh, end with giving you the opportunity for those of you who do not know Jesus. You are not saved. You are not born again. You want to taste of the goodness of God and of the love of Jesus Christ and of his saving power through the shed blood at Calvary. May you open your heart and say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. I believe that you died on the cross for me, for my sins, and God raised you from the dead. Save me, make me a new creature. And I thank you for saving me now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God.